You have blessed us beyond measure. You have given us so much. Most of all, you have given us Jesus Christ, and we thank you. Father, open our hearts this morning to hear your word and challenge us to live accordingly. Father, give our pastor the strength that he needs to speak to us with boldness and with conviction and with the power of the Holy Spirit. May we obey you. Amen. We are going to finish up 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Just chapter 8, not the whole book yet. Um, we still got a few more in that. But I think next week we'll do chapter or part of chapter 9, and then we're moving into the Advent sermons. So we'll take a break from this, uh, and then we'll come back into it in the new year. But today we, uh, we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 through 24. Um, and just, just I want you to just see um, one of the things that was said last week in the text um, was that they um, gave themselves first to the Lord. That's verse 5, chapter 8, verse 5. Uh, this was the Macedonians. They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. And after that, that's when they were willing to really give. And we've got to see that key there um, that sometimes we surrender part of our life to Christ. We tell him we've given him the whole thing, and we think we have, but there's part of it that we haven't given him, okay? And usually it's this part right here, you know? or the checkbook, or whatever, because uh, that's one of the hardest things to give, because what we think is, I've got to take care of myself, I've got to pay my bills, guess what, every penny that you make is a penny that God gives you the ability and the freedom to make, and, um, and so, I mean, uh, and again, this is not really a tithing sermon, but it kind of is, and so let's take a look, if you have your Bibles and you are able, if you can stand, uh, we'll read verses 16 through 24 of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift which is administered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of your bo our boasting on your behalf. Father, thank you for this word. Open our hearts and our minds to receive it. Help us to understand it. Father, help us to be obedient to it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the things that we look at here in, in uh, the, the <laughs> when you look at a text like this, one of the things to do is to also look at the what kind of came before it. And so what we've got here is, but thanks be to God. And I wonder sometimes if, you know, we say something and then we, um, 
because the, the text that we read before that was a little bit, I don't want to say pushy, but it wasn't really a positive thing. You know, there were some positive parts in there, but, but he was trying to convince the Corinthians that they needed to give the same way the Macedonians gave, or at least in accordance with what they were able. And so no pastor, including this one, likes to talk about giving or preach about giving. And so that's what he had just done. And then he comes into this and he says, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of, God, heart of Titus. Thanks be to God. And one of the reasons we see this is that um, Paul believed, and I believe he's right, that every right feeling, every good desire, everything that's pure that we have in us was given to us by God. And so he is thanking God for the fact that Titus has earnest care for the people in Corinth. And we can see um, some, some different ideas here. Earnest care. The, what is that? I mean, he has the same earnest care for you that we have. And God put that desire in his heart. You can't put a desire for somebody, uh, an earnest care for somebody in, in their heart. Only God can do that. And so what desire, what earnest care is that? Well, it might be, and some people believe it's this earnest care that they would give to this offering. Well, some people don't believe that, that it's, um, how many of you believe, okay, I'm not going to ask that. This is a rhetorical question, don't raise your hand, okay? How many of you believe, really seriously, don't raise your hand, that it's um, good for you to give? See, think about it. Don't raise your hand because I don't want to see it. Uh, and I don't want other people to see it, but it is good for us to give. It's a good thing for us to give. It brings about growth. Now, it may bring about um, immediately less money in the bank account or less money in the wallet. But it's not just the idea here, this earnest care is, is, um, that Titus has for them. It's not just that they would give. He doesn't, it's not that he cares about them giving so much. <coughs> or it's not that he cares about the offering being enlarged. What he cares about is their benefit from the giving that they have done. And I don't know if you... I guess I'm a bit of a mystic in some cases. I believe there are certain things that we do that result in growth in our lives. Um, and one of them is giving. And, and some people will... Uh, have you ever read through the... Have you ever read through the whole Bible? I've read through it several times, and usually it's in a different version. I like to read... Uh, New King James, I like to read Holman Christian, I like to read, uh, I've read the NIV, the New American Standard, the RSV. I try to read through a different one every year if I can. I failed at that for the past few years, uh, finishing it up. But I like to read through it. And some people say, well, you've read through it so much, how come you don't memorize it all? How come you don't, I don't, I don't have it all memorized. I don't have much of it memorized. But I do believe that as I read this, well, let me ask you a question. How many of you take vitamins every day? Anybody? I take vitamins every day because I want to stay healthy, all right? I also run, which I think you should do too. Um, <laughs> but don't run every day. Uh, walking is really good. Um, but those vitamins, they help me to stay healthy. They have their effect on me. And reading the scripture every day and reading through the scripture also has its effect on us. It, even if you don't memorize everything or verse a day or a verse a week or a verse a month or even a verse a year, there is a spiritual effect that reading the scripture has on us. It becomes, it, you, if you read it enough, 
you see something that you read in the Old Testament that relates to something you read in the Old in the New Testament. You, and you see all of that, and God uses that to, and, and it becomes a part of who we are. And it causes growth in us, spiritual growth. And the same thing is true of other spiritual di- spiritual gifts, spiritual disciplines, including the gift of giving. And so when, when he says that Titus has the same earnest care for you that God put into his heart, it is a care for their spiritual growth. It's not just a care that the offering plates have more money in them, okay? It's a care for their spiritual growth. And so, um, so he has this same earnest care for you for the people of Corinth. And we thank God for that. There is something that, and if, and if somebody has that kind of care for you, you know, I mean, Paul naturally had that kind of care, and now Titus does too. Titus probably was delivering letters back and forth to, to Corinth, and because of that, he began to have a great love and concern for the people there. And now he saw this opportunity for them to participate in this gift of giving to the church in Jerusalem. And when Paul came to him, and that's what it says in the next verse, so he not only accepted the exhortation, but be, being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. He saw the opportunity to bring something to them that was important to their spiritual growth. And that's to, to encourage them to continue in this gift of giving to the church in Jerusalem. And so the Apostle Paul says, thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. Thank God for this. Thank God for this. And it's not just that Paul's happy about it, but he's thankful about it because it does the Corinthians good. And he wants to see their spiritual growth. For he, Titus, not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. So the Apostle Paul um, <coughs> probably is here, and, uh, and he sees that there's a possibility that this is going to be a difficult thing. I mean, you know, um, I didn't notice how many... Off, how much went into the offering plate just now? I didn't watch. It's, I, I try not to pay much attention to that. But sometimes it's difficult to ask people to give and to see them doing that. Anybody ever watched the movie? Um, it was a long time ago. Uh, it was a Mickey Cruise, and it was uh, the Crossing the Switchblade. You see the service they had? Okay. Um, they were encouraging every gang member that went to that meeting uh, to give. And they were doing it with switchblades. Okay? Yeah. They'd pass these big popcorn buckets in that theater that um, David Wilkerson rented. And he was going to preach the gospel up there. And he let this gang, Mickey Cruz's gang, collect the offering. And um, there was an entrance in the back and you were out of the view of everybody, okay? And everybody thought that Mickey Cruz and his gang would walk out that back door with all that money. But because of what God was doing in that service and in their lives, they collected that. Now, they did it at the point of, you know, a switchblade because sometimes it's hard for people to give. <laughs> I guarantee you we'll never do that here. <laughs> there are some churches I've heard that would pass the offering plate twice. Because there wasn't enough in it the first time, right? We'll never do that here either, I hope. But sometimes it's hard for people to give. And what we see is sometimes the hardest thing for us to do is the best for us. You know, when I substitute two 
And the go, kids go, I can't do that. And I'm going to go, I go, you can't unless you try. The best thing for us to do sometimes is, how many of you love laundry and washing dishes and sweeping the floors? Which one of you, yeah, see, you, the, the one that you hate the most, do it first, right? Get it out of the way, right? Because then guess what? Everything else is easier, right? And so this thing that we have in giving sometimes is the hardest thing for us to do. So begin to do that. And it causes growth in our spiritual lives when we do that. And again, we can look at all of the texts and we can see the fact that it says here that, um, that they are not to give, I mean, there's a willing mind, accept it according to, what one, according to what one has. And so nobody's asking anybody to start at over 10%. But that's a good place to start. And then if you can move it up to 11 and 12 and 13, whatever, you can do that. All right? But the hardest thing to do sometimes is what we need to do first. And most of the time, or often, the hardest thing to do is to take out that wallet or that checkbook and to give like God called us to do. For we not only accept, he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you on his own accord. And so Paul saw that this was going to be difficult or could be difficult. And so um, he... Uh, Talk to Titus about it, and Titus jumped on the chance. Titus didn't go, I don't know, Paul. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's a good thing. I don't think I want to go there. These guys are troublesome folks. I love them like crazy, but, man, I don't want to get in on this one. No, he jumped at the chance. He was eager, and and what's the word he used? Diligent, okay? But being more diligent, more intense, more, uh, more purposeful on this whole thing. He went to you. Of his own accord. I didn't have to convince him. I didn't have to coerce him. I didn't have to do any of that kind of stuff. I asked him. He was ready to do it, and he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel. Now, there's a lot of possibilities about who this is. And some people really believe that it's, the, that it's um, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts and the book of the gospel of Luke. And there's some reasons they believe that. Now, I'll be honest with you right offhand. It doesn't really matter who it was. It mattered to them. It was important to the Corinthians. And the reason it was important to the Corinthians is that this had to be, and it was important to Paul, it had to be somebody that both Paul trusted and somebody that the Corinthians trusted. And what we see in this is it says, we sent him with the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all of the churches, and not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift. You see, one of the most important things that a pastor can do or that a missionary can do is be totally, completely above board about finances. That's why I don't help take the offering. That's why I don't count the offering. That's why I don't look at the envelopes. I look at the end money sometimes, the amount that's given, to know what's there. Um, but the rest of it's not my business. Pastors can get in trouble if they're in on some of that sometimes. I try not even to be the one who goes to purchase things, okay? I try not to do that. Every once in a while I need to, and I say, Tim, I'm going to go get something, and and he knows it's needed, and I just go do it. But I try not even to do that. And the Apostle Paul um, uh, knew that somebody that was trusted by him and by the churches needed to go with them. That way, if anything happened, the Apostle Paul couldn't be accused of taking money out of this fund for his own benefit. And so the person that was trusted by all the churches probably was Luke. And they think they, that it was Luke because there's a point in Acts, Acts 17.1, where he you know, sometimes he says we, and sometimes he says they. And in Acts 17, 1, he begins to say they. 
And in Acts 20, uh, verse 5, he begins to say we. This is the time while all of this was happening or before this was happening. And so they believe at that time, before that, Luke was not hanging out with Paul, was not on mission with Paul. Some people think, and this is pure conjecture, um, that at that point in time, during that time, he was copying his gospel for more churches so he could spread it around, pass it around. Um, We don't know that, but they do believe that it was Luke. And because he was one whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. Now, in the gospel could mean preaching the gospel or it could mean the writing of the gospel. It, the, the Greek apparently says either one of those, okay? And so it might have been Luke, might not have been Luke. But it was somebody that both Paul trusted and that all the churches trusted to travel with them with this gift. And that's the gift, the offering, which is administered to us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind. What, do you wanna, what we want to see in this part here is that this glory of the Lord is it's a crossing of cultural boundaries. It's a crossing of racial boundaries because the Greeks, the Gentiles, were the ones that were taking up the offerings to give the offerings to the Jews. And so if you see that kind of thing happening, you see that, that, that God and Jesus Christ are being glorified, that these people who once hated each other, now because Christ has saved all of them, they're ready to take this offering and to give of their own, uh, of their own finances and to take it and to give it to people that normally they wouldn't have anything to do with. And so that brings great glory on God. And so, um, and it's proof, if you will, of their, um, of their, of the gospel. It's proof of what has happened to them. And so, um, You see some of this in what we talked about a little bit earlier. You see that um, that if they weren't willing to do this, there wouldn't be much evidence of their salvation. The Apostle Paul says, we want, we want them to see proof that you have trusted Christ and that Christ is working in your heart. And so one of the things we see uh, in, in all of this is um, if Christians really desire to be generous, they first got to devote themselves to God. And, and why is that? Because we are, believe it or not, naturally selfish. We just are. And it's going to take a change in our heart and in our life before we're really ready to be generous. And if we haven't devoted ourselves completely to God, then it's not likely that we're going to give like God calls us to give. And so I guess the question that we ask in this part right here is, is how about us? I mean, because every day, we need to make sure that we're completely devoted to God. In our life, we need to make sure that we're completely given over to God. That, that everything that we have and everything that we own really does belong to Him. That we're willing to let whatever we have be used for the glory of God and for the church. And so, is our heart given over to God? And when Christians honestly devoted themselves, have honestly devoted themselves to God, it's easier to contribute generously uh, to benevolence. And if they haven't, you know what happens? You know what I've seen? And you've probably seen it too. Um, and some of you who haven't seen it or have been on this side of it are going to go, I can't believe you said that. But those who are willing to give, uh, who have devoted themselves completely to God, it's easy for them to give and to give generously. Oh, it's just money. You know, 
it's, it's okay. I, you need to give to them. But those who haven't, they're the ones that expect others to give to them. They're the ones that come into the church and go, hey, I need some money for gas. And we go, and we go well, okay, you need to fill out this form. And they go, I can't believe you make me fill out that form. The church is supposed to give money to people. And that's what you see sometimes. Now, there's a point where we have them fill out the form and we go with them to Thornton's to fill up their gas tank. You know what happens? It's almost full before we get there. Or we get there and they never show up. It doesn't mean you should back out on that commitment. Because we as a church need to be giving also and ministering also. So then also, um, I want to read this one to you. This is pretty interesting because this is talking about Christian character. And I think the giving and, and, and him asking them here um, uh, with this gift is, it kind of relates to this. And so, um, the Christian character is incomplete unless there is a spirit of large and generous beneficence. He said liberal, but generous beneficence. This is indispensable to the proper symmetry of the Christian graces. Now, you know why I'm reading it? Because you know I don't talk like that, okay? And so I want you to see that it comes from, uh, from uh, a commentary. This should be cultivated. This is indispensable to the proper symmetry of the Christian graces, and this should be cultivated in order to give beauty and completeness to the whole. In other words, if we're not good at giving, there's a piece of the puzzle missing. Puzzle missing. And, um, and it doesn't, and the picture's just not as good. Yet it cannot be denied that there are true Christians where this is wanting. There are those who give every other evidence of piety, who are men of prayer, who evince humility, and who are submissive in trials, and whose conversation is that of Christians, and yet are sadly deficient in this virtue, either by an original closeness of disposition, or by a defective education, or by want of information in regard to the objects of Christian benevolence, they are most centered in their benefactions. And often excite the amazement of others that they give so little to the cause of benevolence. You know what excites people a lot of times? What people get is like, man, I can't believe they give that much. I can't believe they're, you know, man, that person really is. But you know what else is, is surprising sometimes? When we know people don't give. Can't believe it. Um, as they abound, so such persons should be entreated to carry out their Christian character to completion. In other words, they should be encouraged to give their tithes. As they abound in other things, they should abound in this grace also. They are depriving themselves of much comfort and are bringing much injury on the cause of the Redeemer while they refuse to sustain the great objects of Christian charity. No Christian character is symmetrical or complete unless it is crowned with the spirit of large and comprehensive benevolence towards every object that tends to promote the temporal and eternal welfare of man. There are a lot of things that promote the temporal welfare of man. Okay? And you give to those sometimes unwillingly through your taxes. But our governments and most of those do not promote the eternal welfare of man. Those are done through, uh, through Christian organizations. Not through churches, but through Christian organizations. And I include Christian churches in that. Um, I know a man who had some investments, passed away, and he determined that those investments were divided, would be divided into three parts. One of them would go to a church, 
One of them would go to a camp, and one of them would go to Operation Christmas Child. Or one-third of these would go to all of those. In his life, he was a giver secretly most of the time. And in his death, he also was a giver. And you can see where his heart was by seeing where he gave. Avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift. So the purpose here was that nobody would blame them. That's why he got Titus. That's why he went. That's why he got this other Christian, which probably was Luke, and another brother. Because he wanted to have all of those guys, and there maybe were a couple others traveling with him. He wanted to avoid any look, any sense of impropriety about these, uh, about this gift. Um, so that nobody could say, the Apostle Paul has taken this for himself. So he took people that they trusted and that he trusted, and they went together to deliver this gift um, to the church in Jerusalem. Providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Okay, first of all, I want to go back just a little bit. We have people that we trust that we elect to do certain things. We have our ushers. They collect the offerings. They watch. They make sure that Noah actually takes the money out of the plate. Okay? We don't put people to do that that we don't trust. Then they take them back to the office where we have two people that are back there counting all the time. Two people that are elected by you, the church. By the way, um, this season that they talk about here of uh, we believe it was Luke that was an election okay they all had their say that word to choose there means the, the show by a raising of your hand okay and so we elect people to do those things your ushers are chosen they're not elected they're chosen your uh, counters they're elected you vote on them once a year to get them and they're people that you trust and so is your treasurer and your assistant treasurer also elected and one of the things that we see in all of this is that um, he talks about this diligence, and he talks about it for them, and he talks about it down here. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved, who, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent. What you see here is this idea that um, that they are willing to work in the little things. They're willing to do even the little things, you know. Um, and and there's a uh, a saying that I saw. And basically, it's if service is below you, leadership is beyond you. And I don't know where I saw it or who wrote it. I wish I could, could claim it as my own. But if service is below you, leadership is beyond you. And so one of the things that we see, church, we see people starting with the little things. And these guys have been, um, have been proven diligent in those little things. And now they're even more diligent. And the people that we elect to count are people that we trust and that you trust. And Titus, by getting Luke possibly, and another Christian brother that they all trusted to make sure that they couldn't be accused of doing something negative. And you know what's really cool about this? This is the way Paul lived his life. And this is the way he did um, everything. And it's also a good lesson for us that that's the way we should live. Setting up these safeguards, if you will. Doing everything we can to make sure that in everything that we do, we are not harming or hurting somebody else in fact we ought to set up safeguards and look ahead far enough that the things that we think about and plan on and do are not just to not hurt somebody but they're also to help somebody 
and we have sent with him our brother. Our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. <coughs> I want you to see something that's happening in this text. We don't know who this guy is. We have no clue, okay? But it's a brother. It's not just a, a friend, okay? It's a brother, somebody who shares the faith. We have sent with him our brother. He has, we have proven him diligent in many things, and now even more so because of the great confidence which we have in you. Paul and Titus had great confidence in the Corinthian people. They believed that they would come through in this matter. And so, guess what? Because of their belief and their confidence in the Corinthian people, this other brother now began to have confidence in them also. And I wonder, I wonder how much that did for the Corinthians. I can't help but believe it said good things. I can't help but believe that they thought, in other words, I do believe that they thought, well, Paul has faith in us. Titus has faith in us. And their faith in us is so great that this person that barely knows us has faith in us too. Guess what? We can do it. That's pretty good coaching if you ask me. We have sent with him our brother, whom we have oftentimes proven diligent. And this is where you think about this idea of service. Because this person proved diligent in, in many things, and now he's proven even more diligent because of the confidence that Paul and Titus had in him. And again, I reiterate, if service is below you, leadership is beyond you. And this person that went with him, service was not below him. Therefore, leadership was not beyond him. And he is proving even more diligent because of what the Apostle Paul and Titus did. And then we look into verse 23. I love this too. If anyone inquires about, inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. He is my partner. Now, I look at that, that idea and that word there, and we see um, that the idea is that if anybody asks about him, if it's necessary to say anything about him, I just want you to know he's my partner and he's a fellow worker. Now, the churches... Um, We're also partners. I, I, I got I to get this picture here of partner idea. The Apostle Paul wasn't one that, um, that was going to talk down about somebody like that. He didn't tell somebody that they had to, um, uh, had to do something. When he asked Titus, Titus jumped on it, just like that. He wasn't this um, kind of leader that would coerce or force somebody, an underling, to do what he wanted to do. He saw Titus as an equal partner. And as we look at that idea, and a equal partner and fellow worker, um, he doesn't order a sub subordinate. He asks the partner. He's not a taskmaster. Um, he urges Titus to go, and Titus is ready to, to go. You know, we are also partners. Each of us here, as members of this congregation, as members of this church, we're partners. But not only are we partners with each other, we're also partners with other entities. For example, we're partners with the Illinois Baptist State Association. We partner with Three Rivers Baptist Association. To some extent also, we're partners with New Beginnings Baptist Church. We're partners with the International Mission Board. We're partners with the New American or North American Mission Board. We're partners with the seminary, the Sixth Southern Baptist Seminary. Because they couldn't do what they do 
By the way, if you go to Southern Baptist Seminary and you're a Southern Baptist, you pay half tuition. You know why? Because you and other Southern Baptists all over the country give their tithes and their offerings so that these students of the ministry, of the gospel, can go for a lesser cost and they don't go bankrupt while they're in seminary trying to become pastor or minister. So because of that, I say we're partners with them. We partner with the seminaries, we partner with the uh, mission boards, we partner with other entities, and we do it by giving. They couldn't do what they do if you didn't do what you do. They couldn't train up new ministers if you didn't give your tithes and your offerings. And so we're partners. Partners and fellow workers. And you know what? We're partners not just with all of them and with other Southern Baptist churches. But truthfully, we're also partners with any gospel-believing, Bible-preaching church, whether it says Baptist behind it or not, whether it says Southern in front of it or not. Because our goal as churches is to share the gospel and bring others to Christ. To let them hear the gospel and to respond to the gospel with saving faith. Verse 23 says, If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker. In other words, he wasn't, he didn't see them as an underling, somebody who worked right alongside of him. Or if our brethren are inquired about, our brethren, they are messengers of the church, the glory of Christ. They are messengers of the church. That word there is the word that's used for apostles. They are not um, uh, Peter and James and John, not apostles in that way. But Peter and James and John were apostles of Jesus Christ, sent by Jesus Christ, messengers of Jesus Christ. These guys didn't see Jesus in person, but they're messengers of the church. They're apostles of the church, sent by the church to go and to do and to tell and to preach and to give to the glory of Christ. Messengers of the church, the glory of Christ. You know, and that's the whole purpose, okay? There is to bring glory to Christ. And they are so well known and so well understood um, that they also may be called the glory of Christ. They live their lives, they walk their lives, they do the things that God has called them to do, and people see that in them, and they see Jesus Christ uh, glorified by that. Wherefore, he says, therefore, show to them, and before the church is the proof of your love. Therefore, show to them, and the, pro- and the church is the proof of your love. Well, in this case, the proof of their love is to give to that offering. That's the proof of their love, to give to that offering. Because that's the one thing he's calling them to do. several reasons. One, of course, is to bring relief to the Jews in Jerusalem. The other is to show the Jews in Jerusalem that God is working, not just in Jews, but also in Gentiles, non-Jews. That the gospel is not just for the Jewish people, but the gospel is for everybody. That's why we give. So that others can know Jesus Christ. I know I do. I don't like preaching about money. But I know that sometimes that's the, I mean, it's the hardest thing for me to preach about. It's also one of the hardest things for us to talk about. 
because it's one of the hardest things for us to give. We often give our time, so it's difficult to give our money. I honestly don't know where you stand in this, where you um, are in your giving or your not giving, um, or whether you're the amount you give is a tithe or whether it's a 20% double tithe, triple tithe, whatever. I don't know. And it's really not my business to know. Um, but it is my business to preach about it because it's in the Word. And so we're going to have a time of decision here in just a few minutes. It might be that there's some decision that you need to make, something that you need to pray about. It might be that you realize through this that you are robbing yourself of a gift, of a grace, by not participating in the offering that we take every Sunday. It might be that you've seen that and you understand that now, and you need to go, okay, God, I'm going to give. I'm going to write a check, or I'm going to put some money in an offering plate, or I'm going to put some money in an envelope, whatever God calls you to do with it. That's one. It might be that there's some things on your mind, on your heart, some people that maybe are suffering still, some people that, um, that you know that don't know Jesus Christ. It might be that you've realized that your walk isn't what it needs to be and that there's something that needs to be fixed. The first way we do that is by confessing that to God. And the best place to do that is right here at the altar. It might be that, that you've been here for quite a while, but you've never joined Urban Avenue Baptist Church. And that's your next step. Join Urban Avenue Baptist Church as a member and join us as a partner to serve Jesus Christ here at Urban Avenue Baptist Church. We're going to pray, and then we're going to have time for invitation. Father, thank you for your love and for your forgiveness. God, I pray that, that you will speak to hearts today. I mean, I can talk out loud, but you can talk to the hearts. So God, speak to our hearts. God, give us the goal, the motivation, whatever it is that causes us to move to be obedient to what you tell us to do. Father, guide, save, teach, help us to commit to you. In Jesus' name, amen.